Well, you only live once, maybe not. And this life right now might be all we've got. So let's contemplate the hereafter while we speculate with some laughter about this grim thing that happens to us all after that final curtain call. But before you take that final breath, let's laugh about, let's laugh about Welcome to Let's Laugh About Death, the dramedy podcast that celebrates life while contemplating the inevitable. I'm your host, Tim Rooney, and today's guest is somebody that I have collaborated on different ideas with. Uh, He got me into the cool hobby of smoking a fine cigar. Uh, I've known the guy for a few years now. Um, Of course, I'm out in Denver now, and I don't smoke cigars anymore because, well, I just don't think I could handle it with the atmosphere. But, uh, yeah, I met my friend, John Carr, uh, through filmmaking. And we get into that a little bit here. But uh, I was part of, like, the Bay City, Michigan film type of environment. And so was he. And we just kind of, uh, our paths crossed and we kind of got to know each other. But John was one of those people who was always there when I needed a creative counterpart uh, in Michigan. Uh, I had other creative counterparts such as Chris, but he was living out here in Colorado and John was someone who was always like, yeah, let's get together. Cool. Let's, uh, let's go grab something to eat and we'll go back to my apartment and we'll shoot the shit and come up with some stuff. So it was nice catching up with John here. So this is my talk with John Carr. I'm going to keep this intro pretty brief because, uh, you know, this conversation kind of goes all over the place and we do talk about death. Because, you know, that's what the podcast is about, so why not? Uh, but, um, yeah, it's it's kind of a fun conversation. It gets very serious, but goofy. And we definitely laugh at death. Uh, we talk about a few instances where it was just needed. So, here's my conversation with John. How's death? Ah, well, that's something I like to talk about. Yeah? Yeah. How you been? Good. Good I'm dead. Well, that's a start at least. It is. Although, that would probably be a more interesting conversation. That would be a very interesting conversation. I did talk to a guy, though, who was dead for an hour, so that's kind of close. But, uh, so how you been, though? I mean, what, uh, you know what? Let's let's get right into it here. Um, mm-hmm. Tell, I know who you are. But uh, tell everybody listening a little bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, John Carr. I am a geek currently working as a contractor, um, applying for some 9-to-5-er jobs in the area because I need something a little more structured. Uh, I've been contracting for years. Um, but I'm also a writer, and I've been working on in the local film industry for a while, too. Uh, I live in Bay City, Michigan. That's where I ran. That's where I met Tim and hung out with Tim and worked with him on different projects. Mm-hmm. And what else? Um, lived in California and Arizona. Um, What'd you do during those years? Those were I was a director of networks and systems out in Silicon Valley, and in Arizona, I was working in uh, customer support for an ISP. 
So when you were working in Silicon Valley, you weren't just a geek, you were an uber geek. I was a boss geek. You were the boss geek. Um, That's an alpha geek. I was the boss geek because, yeah, see, I was the dumbest guy in the room, so they put me in charge and actually got the guys we could bill at higher rates and had them work for me. So that worked out very well for me. Yeah. But you know what, though? A lot of times that's the case, though, is is they say, you know, surround yourself with people smarter than you. So, you know, oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's that's being truthful. That's not a, you know, that's not a, a a jab kind of thing. It's like if you can manage people that are smarter than you, yeah, you definitely have something going because that's uh, that's how businesses are built. That's how success is built. So that, uh yeah, I, I always thought that was impressive that you were able to, you know, be that guy in a major, well, hell, who did they get bought by now? Isn't it Verizon uh, owns them they, now? And, well, no, this this company ended up, uh, they ended up merging and then disappearing, but they worked for all kinds of different e-commerce. They built out e-commerce sites. And I, while working as a contractor for them, I ran Levi's.com for a couple of years. Oh, it was that so company. That's, that's one right. Of the big ticket ones. I was thinking of the one out in uh, in Silicon Valley. I thought it, I was thinking that was after Concentric. Concentric was a company that, oddly enough, John and I both worked for at the same time, but like opposite locations and and things like that. So even though we worked for a startup, uh, John was there before I was, and then he ended up going out to California. And even though we were working for the same startup, I was in Bay City still. And he was in uh, uh, out in California, and then we met like what twenty years later. So we knew a lot of right. the same people, but it was just kind of weird how you can have people. There's people that are directly in your lives, and then there are people that are kind of on the fringes, and that's kind of how John and I were for each other for years, without knowing it, of course. Yeah, and then we ended up finding out that we had a bunch of uh, mutual friends just because in this area we were on the we were fringe figures. We were people that were into the art certain types of art stuff definitely definitely so we ended up having a lot of mutual friends yeah that's it. both through the arts as well as the uh the tech industry so it's kind of mm-hmm. you know and that's in fact i i went to a um you and i are unique cats in this regard i went to this interview for a financial company and i was gonna toy with the you know put my foot in the water of of doing some of this stuff with them and uh, she brought up an interesting thing because she had a similar kind of background as me she was like i was an art major but i did um, IT for you know several years, and she's like, people like you, people like me, and of course John, people like you. We we're able to do the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain, which I think right. is a is basically is ingredients for a different kind of crazy, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> because you're you're constantly struggling with yourself, where it's like I want to be creative, but I have to do this technical thing. You know, it's like Spock and Kirk in the same body, right. But so what I try and do is I try and bounce between them to do, you know, if I, if I have a very tech heavy job, then in the evenings I find that I'm writing more. If I have a job during the, you know, during the day that is real heavy in the writing and, you know, more artistic then at night, I want to geek out on the computer more. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Cause then it gives you that you can separate almost like a split personality type of thing where you can, you can be one of the two. So, and then that's a healthy way of approaching it. My problem is, is that I have a tendency to one or the other, you know, if I do tech at the end of the day, I'm exhausted. I don't touch it creative or very rarely. If I do creative, then I, well, I usually only do creative on my days when I haven't done tech, you know, so that's good that you're able to balance that. 
But uh, yeah, no, that so sounds like you do this. It sounds like you do the same thing, but you just do it on a like a like a longer schedule. So you for your week, you're you've got a tech job during the day, but you're doing your podcast you know, one day a week or in the, you know, one evening or whatever. So yeah, yeah. You just kind of spread it out a little bit more. You don't bounce back and forth as fast as I do. Not, no, not so much. I mean, I did work today, but, uh, yeah, it was just, you know, it, this is one of those things where this is a, excuse me, well, this is a creative thing, but it's more, this is a more natural state for me. If I could, if I could have a full-time job just talking to people, I would love it because I love talking to people. Yeah. I do it at my job too much. You know, so, except I don't like call center, you know, type of taking phone call support jobs. But anyway, that's a whole nother story. We're going to bore the piss out of people listening. So anyway, um, so tell me a little bit about, uh, I mean, this podcast is, you know, let's laugh about death and I want to dig in real quick. I did this with, you know, other people in the past where we jump right into it. So what I know you and I had very similar backgrounds growing up, uh, similar size families, uh, we both grew up Catholic. We both, you know, all that kind of stuff. Maybe from a standpoint of when you were a kid versus now, um, I know you had some deaths that were close to you. I've had some deaths, that, you know, that were close to me. What do you think happens when this is all said and done? What do you believe? Well, originally what I did believe as a kid coming up was that was the heaven and hell thing, the whole, I was a Catholic. Mm-hmm good Catholic boy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, you, you see the bumper sticker, I'm, I'm going to hell in all religions. Well, I should have that on my car. <laughs> um, but, uh, I actually went to a, pri- a Catholic private school. And when I was in fourth grade, I wore the wrong shoes to school and the nuns punished me for that by locking me in a chapel for the entire day. Wow. And, I don't like that. I have a, I have claustrophobia, and I don't like getting locked up. Oh yeah, a lot of issues. We all have issues, but that was that nope. was one of my key issues. And totally. and uh, when I was locked in there, they uh, I, uh, I I broke a rosary. Mm-hmm. So that's like, after yeah. That's a bad thing. That's a capital and, offense kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So when I got out of there. Uh, later in the week, uh, one of the nuns sat me down, and she, you know, dug the bony claw into my shoulder, and she said, "It doesn't no matter no matter what good you do in your life, no matter how good a person you are for the rest of your life, you are going to hell." Are you fucking kidding me? I I am not kidding you. This is fourth grade and fourth grade, and I first I freaked me out. I'm like, I'm screwed. There's nothing I can do. And then, and I, but I, you know, but I believed in it. And as I got older, of course, you were shifted. fucking ten. Yeah, you know. And uh, as I got older, I'm like, man, that's you know, whatever. And it kind of freaked me out. But then I thought about it. And I'm like, hey, no matter what I do in my life, I can't change what happens to me after life. In the afterlife, so it's freeing. It's completely freeing. I can do whatever I want. I can yeah, do whatever yeah. I want. <laughs> Thank you, Sister Mary Elephant. <laughs> exactly. So, so I had oh, some wild wow. years. Yeah. And and then eventually I just I'm a I'm a questioning kind of person. Then in high school I I started questioning more and more. And I remember giving the priest a hard time and asking a lot of questions. Well, you know, what's the what's the difference between the worst guy in hell I'm sorry, the worst guy in heaven 
and the best guy in hell. <laughs> How thin a difference is it? You know, what was the differentiating factor? And then when they got into the whole no matter how bad your life was, no matter what you did, if you ask for forgiveness, you can be forgiven. Mm-hmm. That kind of shook the foundations a little bit, too. So the that's a long way around of saying, I think that that's it. We're done at death. When you're dead, that's it. You're just, you've, you've had your allotted time. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> and uh, I I give myself... Before I came to that, I was more agnostic, and I feel that you got to be a good person to be a good person. Well, and if there is a heaven, and you go to heaven, awesome, cool, great. But it's not, you know, work and reward, work and reward. Wear purple on Thursdays, genuflect, 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 <laughs> and you know you'll go to heaven. It's be a good person just because it's the right thing to do. It totally, you know. Be grateful, love life, enjoy what you've got, and then if there's more, cool, but I really don't think so. Well, but you brought up an interesting point. As you said that you were agnostic, and Mm -hmm. because a lot of people feel that for there to be an afterlife, there has to be some kind of supreme being. And I, me personally, I I believe something happens. You know, I've seen too much weird shit through, you know, ghost hunting and other things that I've seen and witnessed and all that, that I don't know, I don't think that it's just a, you know, just a black, blackness when it happens. I mean, people I've talked to, the, the one dude who came back, you know, he, he described some shit that, and he was, he was brain dead. He was clinically dead for almost an hour, you know, and he of course didn't see the shining white lights. His story was quite different, you know, but it was one of those things where it was like, okay, well there's brain activity and. That's something that I've also wondered about is, well, how long does a brain go on for? Maybe it goes on for months, and we just don't know it because it's incre- incrementally shrinking in terms of impulses, so we can't detect it. You know, And that's a scary thought, being trapped in a coffin. But the thing well, is... I think you and I, oh, you go and ahead. I talked to one, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you and I talked about one time as well, is that at the very end of your life, it's very possible that your perception of time would change as well. So you may spend six months in your head in the last five minutes of your life. That's a very good point. That is a very good point. Yeah. But it's it's one of those things though where who's to say we aren't in a simulation? Who's to say that we aren't, you know, going to be reincarnated? And so death doesn't really happen because we go across and we come back, you know? And things right. that would be ghosts or things like that are glitches in the matrix or people that got stuck in the void or whatever, you know? But I don't I don't necessarily think that uh, supreme being necessarily has to explain everything or that everything has to be tied to that. I think a, a God, if you will, or gods, if you're, you know, polytheistic are there to explain something bigger than ourselves that we don't understand. And so you even touched mm-hmm. on that a little bit by saying agnostic, meaning you still felt there had to be some kind of, uh, or, or at least not had to be, but assume there would be some kind of, you know, uh, uh, deity involved with an afterlife. But honestly, if, if we are just organic beings and we are electrons and neutrons and protons and yada, 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 and chemicals and salt and all that kind of stuff, wouldn't that just carry on? You know, and it's and, and again, I'm not I'm not here to try and change your mind. This whole discussion is to just I've had people tell me, yeah, that nothing, nothing happens, you know, or we just go and become part of a bigger thing. And, and to me, that's at least something. But we might lose our individuality if that were to happen, you know, and maybe again, people who are you know, stuck in between realms, if you will, haven't moved on to that other plane of existence. But, uh, 
you know, I, I, I think, yeah, I, I, I think it's just one of those things that, and the whole point of the podcast is we, we're never going to know until we're dead. Right. And that's, that's why I'm interested in it. I love the idea that you, that you're doing that. And you well, know, we had you. long discussions when we lived in the same area. Oh yeah. I even, even though this, that's my working philosophy. That's my working, uh, um, belief structure right now, but I'm a writer. Yeah. So I like thinking about it. Oh, of course. So, I mean, I wrote a story about um, uh, evolving humans that, you know, we get to the point where, um, you know, people die, but they go on to different stages of life in different forms. Or, you know, we uh, we survive to a certain age and then we evolve into something else because, you know, medical the medical technology gets to the point where we age up to a point where we actually change into something else it's another stage of life yeah and you know i like i uh the watching uh different movies and um you know neil gaiman's death the the yeah those yeah are great uh, i've got a half a dozen different copies of dante's inferno because back when i was more catholic when i was catholic that fascinated me well you wanted to get used really to where you were going you know Exactly. No, we're exactly what, what level I was going to be on. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, you broke a rosary? Well, that's level one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like getting your black belt. You know, you're, you're, it's a martial art. So. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, it's um, – I, I, and honestly, I think that whole concept of metamorphosizing into something else is a, could be a plausible possibility. I've thought the same thing. You know, where death is maybe the the – the status of death is almost like a chrysalis. And then all of a sudden you go on to become something else. And we may not discover that for, you know, eons or millennia or whatever, uh, millions of years. I mean, shit, for all we know, the dinosaurs are just now finally getting to the point where they're going to evolve into that next thing, but we won't see it because it's in a different dimension or whatever. You know, we might cross dimensions as that next being. And so that's an interesting idea. You know, again, I just, I love the concept of we don't know what the fuck is going on. And anybody who claims they know 100% certain, well, good for them if they think that in their mind. But I don't think that's possible. You know, I think right. it's just a case of, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be like, you know, argumentative towards anybody like that. Because if you, here's the thing. If you have 100% in your mind a belief, good for you. You know, honestly, I'm, I'm envious of people like that because it's like they've got their answer and that answer works for them. And, you know, I've talked to my, my buddy James who died. His whole answer was, I don't think anything happens either. But he was like, the comforting fact in that is there's no point in being afraid of it because it's inevitable. And if you're dead, you wouldn't know anyway. I was like, yeah, that's true. So, you know, and that it was that kind of talking, which is similar to what you're talking about. And he was, again, also agnostic, which is something I brought up to him. How, well, why do you have to be agnostic? Why not just, there's nothing, you know? And uh, um, his, whole, his whole concept of that made me fear death a lot less. Because if there is nothing, which, again, I don't believe so. But, again, that's my belief. But if there is nothing, why worry about it? You know, the scariest part right. of dying, in my opinion, would be that moments before you die. That like, oh shit, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes, boom, done. That's the scariest part. You know, I mean, granted, dying on your deathbed for months, you know, we both know people who did that for, you know, and that's that sucks as well. That's not even, that's a whole nother level of, of awful. But 
there's still that point, that moment where it's like, here it comes. You know, my mother-in-law, I saw her take her last breath and she knew when she was going. You know, there are people, uh, my brother, same thing. Go see your dad. Then he was gone. My mom told my dad, hey, we're going to be fine. Then he was gone. If you have somebody there, it might be a little more comforting. Maybe that gave them the strength to do it. But if you're by yourself, like I can't tell you how many times I've woken up in the middle of the night, you know, with a sleep apnea, not being able to breathe, going, holy shit, is this what it's like to die? And that fight or flight kicks in. Even though I'm not afraid of dying for that split moment, yeah, I'm freaking out. And then all of a sudden I catch my breath and I go, ah, okay, now I get to go to work tomorrow. Yay. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my dad's last words were, John, help me, and then he he passed before uh, he finished. And that's so I was like, Gum. that's Ooh. what I'm talking about right there, <laughs> you know, because he had he. It sounds like he had a different type of you know. He was conscious for one, and for two, he he probably had that. Oh my God, here it comes, kind of moment, you know. Well, as you know, I'm a cancer survivor. Yes, yes, and so. Nine years ago, I was I was showing symptoms of colon cancer, so I got tested, and they said, "Oh, yep, we're testing positive." And they went in and they took a look and they took a picture, and um, it, again, laugh about death. I I live in a <laughs> in a state of gratitude. You and uh, definitely do. So yes, the whole time. Yeah, I I was I was joking all the whole time because I figured you know. If I'm gonna check out these, might as well be. I might as well do it on a laugh. And I, you know, when they showed me a picture of the of the cancer, the the growth in me, I, I pointed out to my sister and said, "Hey, look, it's your meatloaf. That's what happened to that. That's what that's what they're looking at." But uh, I totally lucked out. But there are a couple of stages along the line where they said, "Oh, yep, it's grown to the stage where it's probably already spread just from looking at it." Mm. And it's uh, you know the the lymph nodes were. Um, enlarged so it looked like well it's already spread and so you know you're, you're we're dealing with what we're dealing with um but the timing was just on the edge they they were um they took out they took a big mel- melon baller and they just whoop, took everything out damn and um yeah that that the half of the large intestine and so i completely locked out and the attitude that i've had since then is i'm on bonus time I'm yeah totally you know i'm grateful for what i've got you know, so how long you said nine years? Yeah. Wow. Twenty ten. Wow. It was. It was. Let's see. May twentieth. May thirteenth. They found it, um, and everything was cut out by May twentieth. Wow. So I had cancer for seven days. That you knew of. That I knew of. Yeah. yeah. That I knew of. That's but and who knows how long before that and. Exactly. Yeah, so, but I got to check every year. So that's good. That's good um, that you go in because there's, there are people who probably just go, "Oh, I beat it. I'm done." It's like no, <laughs> you know, ooh. that's that's uh, yeah. You want to definitely go back in. For some reason, I was thinking it wasn't nine years. I thought you just hit like six or something. So nine years. That's that's awesome. Yeah. That's uh. Yeah. If for big milestone um, goals that take that. Uh, Require me to do absolutely nothing. I'm great at those. <laughs> those I can handle. Yeah. Well, hell. That's uh, you know, it's one of those. A, oh, go ahead. I am a success at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was uh, telling somebody about 
that I was going to be on this uh, podcast. And I was talking about how, you know, I, I laugh at this kind of stuff and I laugh at death. And that's uh, just, it's a family tradition to laugh at everything. Yeah. Especially oh, yeah. the hard stuff. And, um, and they're like, oh, you got to tell them about your mom's funeral. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a cheerful thing. And um, I don't know if I ever told you about this, but it was no. uh, when she passed away, which was 18 years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, the morning of the funeral, I woke up and I just smelled this horrible smell. And I went downstairs and the sewer had backed up into the basement. Oh, I was staying at my dad's at the time. So we all scattered to find other places to take showers and everything. I went over to a friend's house, a friend's apartment, and said, hey, can I use your shower? And he was a little, you know, I woke him up. He was a little awkward or whatever. Okay, sure. Went in, and who was there but an ex-girlfriend of mine? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, crap. Hi, how's it going? Got things to deal with. Took a shower, got ready. Now, did I you know, know they were together? No, no idea. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, so, so yeah. Yep, so, you know, other things happened. Somebody had a car breakdown. I uh. can't remember what else we were dealing with that. And then we we go into the funeral, and I walk into the church, and I'm listening, and I hear this beautiful voice singing. And I realize in stages, oh, it's my brother-in-law. Oh, he's got a beautiful voice. Oh, he's singing gospel. Oh, wait a minute. He's an Elvis impersonator. Oh, my God. He's adding in Elvisisms. <laughs> so he's up on the altar with a guitar singing beautifully. And it, it's, you know, it, if you listen to Elvis's gospel, it's really good. But he kept adding in a little, like, huh-huhs. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. <laughs> And I'm just oh. like, oh, thank you, God, for these distractions because this yeah. is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> you know, but but that right there, that is the root of of that's the essence of what I'm talking about. Is it's like, yeah, it's a horrible day, but in the same sense, you know, your mom, if she's watching from somewhere, was getting a kick out of it, you know, yeah. because it's one of those things where it's like, oh, good God, what else can go wrong, kind of thing, and it just you know, and it gets to a point where it's just laughable. And when you got stuff like yeah. that, and the sewer backing up, and your, you know, friend stooping your ex, and all that kind of stuff, it's just kind of like, what you know, it, it, there comes a point where yeah, you just gotta laugh, and it probably was a better thing that all that happened. Like you said, they were good distractions. Yes, and it, so we during, and then actually during the funeral, uh, her her brother was a uh, priest. Okay. So there were three priests and the bishop all on the altar. They were saying her funeral. Okay. And my uncle did the, what do they call it? The um, eulogy or whatever? Thank you, the eulogy. Yeah. He's doing the eulogy, and he was talking about how, what was in my mom's mind and how she was crying and how she was having problems with, with raising a family. And he turned it into a jab at my family. Oh, good <laughs> God. I'm just like, what is going on? And I look up at the altar, and the bishop is looking over at the other priest, and he puts his hands up like, what the hell <laughs> is this guy doing? Wow. And I, I look over, my dad reaches over, and he puts his hand on my brother's shoulder. of kind of like, don't stand up. Don't <laughs> react to this. Just let it go. Don't give him the satisfaction, <laughs> yeah. What the hell? And then, 
Oh, it was, but it was, again, it's a distraction. You're just like, wow, well, okay. Yeah. And then years later, one of my brothers, there was a horrible snowstorm on the day of my uncle, the priest's funeral. Well, my, one of my brothers made it and he got, and I made it Mm -hmm. and he got up there when they had different people come up and say something about my uncle. He got up there and he told horrible stories about my uncle and how he used to scare us as kids. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, wow, that's, a years long revenge. Revenge right there. For my mom's funeral. <laughs> you got it. Hey, hey. A eulogy revenge, man. That's just hilarious. <laughs> That's but you know what? It's one of those things where it's like it wasn't appropriate with your mom's funeral, so hey. And yeah, some would say yeah. you shouldn't do that, but in the same sense, I completely understand it. I completely understand it because you know what? He hit he hit you guys when you were vulnerable. Well, now he, he, hit, he your brother hit him back when he was real vulnerable. So. <laughs> Plus, it was in it, it. I wanted to go up there and then soften it, but I just I didn't have the eloquence, so I just let it go. Yeah, at that point, it's, cause and, then it's and, yeah. And I got I, I got to give it to my brother. He was funny. It was really funny. <laughs> well, hey, as long as it's it funny, was terrible. You know? But it was hilarious. <laughs> hey, then then you know, kudos to him because he was able to he was able to satisfy his need for for you know revenge while also making it something that on the surface might not seem like that's what it was. So it was kind of like the best kind of revenge, you know. Is is they say is served cold. Also, it can be served subtly, you know. So, but. Uh, <laughs> I still i i've I've said for years that death brings out the best and the worst in people, and I've you know I maintain that because I've seen people turn into monsters after deaths, and I've heard well i uh, uh my family came closer together after my brother died. I've got siblings that I talk to literally talk to once a decade, and now eh, we talk every year, you know we do a thing on pat's uh anniversary of his death we toast to him and then we sit there and talk goofy stories about how he peed on my pillow when he was drunk one time and all that kind of stuff and uh you know but we have a good chuckle about it and it's like that's one of the things that death did with our family we were fortunate you know but i know that uh you know my wife's family wasn't so fortunate there was some issues after her mom died and you know i won't get into the details but it was just it happens you know i know other people where their aunts don't talk to each other because after a death of a grandparent, you know, and, and it sounds like your family didn't necessarily get closer, but didn't sever further after it from what you told me or unless I'm wrong about Mm. that. Um, my mom's passing. No, we all just gained 20 or 30 pounds each (laughs) three or four years after, um, Comfort food, man. Comfort food. Absolutely. Uh, my dad's after my dad passed, it was a little harder to keep things centralized because we all met, used to meet up at his house. Yeah, true. You know, every couple of months, and so, but uh, so that made it a little harder. But yeah, my mom's we probably got a little bit closer. Yeah, that's you know, and and uh, I do remember you saying uh, while your dad was still alive that yeah, you're going over to your dad's house, you're having dinner, you're doing et cetera, et cetera, and so that was kind of like home base, literally. So. Yeah, I, I could see how that would make things at least harder. But you didn't have any, like, schisms in the family or anything like that uh, 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 due to his death. Um, you know, and it's, I know of people who that has happened. 
Um, and it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, again, it's one of those things that the vultures come circling and all of a sudden you've got people who are going, what the fuck just happened? And, you know, and if you've got people who like to play the victim, then they're going to point the finger at everybody else. And that happens. So, well, it's, it's another reason to focus on the laughter and to find humor in things because you got to focus on something. Absolutely. So if you want to focus on the butt hurt, you know, you can make a butt hurt into a schism. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing is it's like, but sometimes it's not, it's, it's one-sided, you know, sometimes it's a case where you try to reach out, you try to send out the laurel leaf, even though you weren't the one doing the, you know, the, the, the shit flinging and still it doesn't happen. Cause again, I know of people that that's happened to where, you know, a, a person I know whose aunts do that. And it's like the one was being very shitty and she was the one who severed herself off from everybody else. You know, so it's just, it's one of those things that, you know, death, unfortunately, that is, that is the coin toss when somebody, you know, close to a bunch of people dies is, you know, you either grow closer or you grow apart. And sometimes it's not an intentional growing apart. You know, sometimes it's just, well, that was the, the common link between all these people. So when they die, you know, they, they were the, they were the, the hubcap to the wheel. And so when they die, all the spokes just kind of go their own separate way. You know, and that's not an intentional malicious thing. It just happens. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, that is the, the sad part of death. You know, it's not even so much the person dying. I mean, yeah, that's awful. That's because death, death is only bad for the survivors. You know, the person who dies, they go through that dying phase. And then when they're gone, they're either in a happier place or they don't know where, where they're at. You know, like we said, they, they, they don't know what's going on. Either they rebooted the Matrix or they're on another dimension or they're in another lifetime or whatever the hell happens. But with it's it affects the living. And sometimes good and sometimes bad. And so. Well, if I, if I pass while you're still out there and I, I'm far from you, uh, you have my dispensation to not have to come to my funeral. But you and Chris have to, uh, to go to an Irish pub and drink a drink a shot for me. Oh, fuck yeah. Well, hell, speaking of which, when are you going to come out here and visit, man? I mean, I'm talking about like it's going to happen next week. It's like, well, yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> and actually, you know, if I keep, if I keep up the uh, uh, Irish blood of my uncles and grandmother, I'll, uh, I'll live you all, so I'll be drinking to you guys. So. <laughs> you probably will. Why do you think I'm doing this podcast? Is so that I have something left behind that people can go, you know, well, that was stupid. But <laughs> oh, I, just, <clears throat> I thought it was public service. I thought you had to. I thought it was part of your uh, parole. My, <laughs> yeah, I got to do like, you know, a thousand hours of community service, and I've, I've got about uh, 15 so far. So, hey. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've been listening to some some of the podcasts, and not all of them, and I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. This burning question I've had. Mm-hmm. So, who's Pierre? Pierre was my grandparents' dog. So, I've got an aunt, and uh, her kids. They had a tendency to keep pets. Like, there's a point where you've got quality of life with pets, and I completely believe in keeping your pets comfortable. But there's also a point where if your pet is like visibly miserable, uh you should maybe consider, you know, putting it down. I'm not talking about like, you know, oh, there being an inconvenience. I'm talking about if it, if it can't eat anymore, if it's, you know, just physically, you know, physically and visibly miserable. Well, this was my grandparents' dog and my aunt took it in after my grandfather died. Cause my grandma died back in the eighties 
Uh, well, they both died in the 80s. She died like 81 or late 70s, something like that. My grandpa lived for about another eh, seven, eight years. So this dog was like 20 years old or something. And it was hunchbacked, teeth missing, blind, bumping into walls, all that kind of stuff. And so the episode with uh, with Steve Shippey and I, uh, we we just went on a riff about uh, about Pierre. And so... Uh, that was that's who Pierre is. Pierre was uh, just this this crusty old dog that was kind of a little shit when he was younger. But by the time he got old, it was just that you know, it's that proverbial asshole. But now he's a gentle old man who just sits there and tells you to get off his yard. You know, that's what Pierre became towards the end. Excellent. <clears throat> yeah. So it's that's who Pierre is. But I want to make Pierre a mascot of uh, of Let's Laugh About Death. <laughs> Excellent. We'll have to do that. Yeah, yeah. I like the shirt. Yes, I want to put but, that on a shirt. Yeah. Oh, have you brought up in your any of your podcasts the the short film that you were working on with, uh, about death? Uh, I hadn't actually. Um, it's just one of those things that I I figure I'm not going to talk about it until I've got something going on. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, came up with an idea for a short uh, about um, involving death. So I'll share that when it's finished. But I, uh, it's it's still in in its you know fledgling stages here. Excellent, excellent. It's, it's uh, keep your eyes open, fans. Hopefully, uh, you'll see a um, crowdfunding page pop up in the next several months or so. Yeah, as it comes back up in Tim's consciousness. Yes, definitely. Well, and that's one thing I have talked about though is my foundation. So. I, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I've talked with you about that in the past. I've, I've developed it quite a bit. I mentioned it for the first time on the last episode, so I'm going to talk a little bit more about it now. Basically, it's a, it is going to be a foundation that makes films, and in a nutshell, it makes films that local charities can, uh, can show and, and for profit. So, and, uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's a win-win-win-win kind of thing, and I'll get into the details more later. But uh, I want to finalize all the plans. But it's uh, it's something that I really want to do. I think this is my life calling because of all the other de- ideas that I've had since I've moved out to Denver. This is a thing that I keep coming back to, and there's way more to it than that. That's literally the hundred and twenty thousand foot view. There's a lot of intricate details and everything. But it's it's something that could benefit, you know, both the filmmakers along with the charities and and other you know parties involved. So, but uh, yeah, it's going to be called uh, the Door Foundation because I've got my friend James Davis. Uh, his name was actually James Galt, but he didn't like that name. So, uh, long story short, we on his gravestone, we he he always wanted to legally change his name to James Secord Davis. Uh, Davis is his mom's maiden name, and uh, and so we on his gravestone. I told his mom I was like, "That's what he wanted." So his gravestone actually says James Secord Davis as opposed to James Ward Galt the uh, third. Down in the corner, there's a little JW three um, or JWG three. But uh, yeah, that was one of those last little revenge kind of things for him that uh, I did in his uh, uh, after his passing. You know, it was like he couldn't do it in life, so I made sure that it was done for him in death. And, um, you know, Mike uh, Westendorf was a, another previous guest, and, and he, he concurred that that was something James wanted to do. Well, anyway, so James Davis, Davis is the D, a close friend of James and I, was uh, 
uh, Kevin O'Connor. And so that's the O. And then my brother Pat Rooney, so DOR, D-O-R Foundation. Uh, and basically it's, uh, it's something that I want to do for them because, you know, they can't. They don't have those options anymore. So I want to do this for them as well as myself. So, um, yeah, keep your eyes open more so for the Door Foundation. That other thing might go into another project that could be part of the Door Foundation. But uh, this right here, this is my, this is my great white whale that I'm going to fucking kill. Because I am destined to do this. I am determined to do this because I, I don't, I haven't given up on this one. And a lot of other ideas, I'll sit there and I'll find a reason not to. And every time I sit there and I go, this is the thing I'm doing. So that's my spiel about that. Anyway. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah. I'm in. So. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I want to reach out to people that, uh, 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 that have anything that they want, you know, to contribute, uh, uh, you know, funding of course, but, but more importantly, um, you know, legal structures and things like that. Cause that's one thing I'm, I'm stuck in right now is determining what kind of legal structure I want to do. If I want it to be a for-profit with a foundation that it owns, or if I want to start with the foundation first, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk to some lawyers here as soon as I've got the funds to do that. Or, you know, if anybody listening knows of any lawyers that are a pro bono kind of thing, um, definitely hit me up. So, but yeah, well, I, uh, so here I, it, it sounds good. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I, I got kind of sidetracked there because this is, this is more than a passion project. This is, this is a legacy for, you know, not only myself, but you know, the three of them. And I, I, I want it to be something that, uh, um, you know, is, is, Last a while, and don't make me make it the Dork Foundation because if you kick off before this thing launches, <laughs> car C, got it, Dork. Ah, damn it, yeah. <laughs> so it'll be the Dork Foundation, but it'll be you know it'll be spelled differently. <laughs> it's almost worth it. That's almost worth it. <laughs> but it 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 circles back to my overarching philosophy about death which is I don't know that any there's anything. I don't think there's anything. Okay. But be grateful for what you have. Definitely. Be grateful. Live, live life with purpose and enjoy it. I mean, I think if a kid passes away at 5, it's a tragedy. Pass away at 10, it's tragedy. Pass Definitely. away at 20, it's tragedy. Pass away at 80, it's tragedy. But even that 5-year-old had 5 glorious years that it was completely unearned. It was a gift. It was a gift. So, you know, enjoy what you have. And I like your philosophy, which is um, contribute to the world on behalf of those that have passed before us. Yeah. Cool idea. So it's, if that's what can drive you, then use that. That's a good idea. That's, that's the thing that, you know, everything that I'm doing right now is just a means to an end for me to be able to do that project. You know, and I talk of it as a project like it's a one-time thing. No, I want this to be a legacy, you know, for, again, myself as well as them. And I want it to right. be something that does change the world because it's going to help little nonprofits, you know. It's not going to just go and, and be one of those ones where, oh, we're a nonprofit and 5% of it actually makes it to doing something. It's like, no, it's 75% of the profits are going to go to these charities. So, And, again, if, if, so once I have the page going, I'll, I'll go more into detail. 
So you know that's that's why you're doing the podcasts, and that's why you're robbing the gas stations on the weekends. Yeah, and that's why well, you're selling the drugs on the side. It's because it's all for the foundation. I get it. It is. Sure. It is. Well, and that's the thing is, yeah. you know, people go and they do things and they plead insanity. I plead, oh, I'm doing you know charitable work, and then I, just, that'll get me off. Of course it will. Yeah. You know, <laughs> hey, with the right lawyer, I will. Yeah, totally, totally. The gloves didn't fit. Um, but <laughs> I, uh, uh, you know, and that, and that's the thing also is that, uh, yeah, this podcast started because of those three, you know, they all died within mm-hmm. a four month period of time. And I'm like, you know what? Like you and I talked about earlier, we have to laugh at it, not laughing at their death, but laughing just in general, being grateful, being happy with the time you got, because again, it's so, it's so minuscule in the grand scheme of things that. It really is pretty precious, and a lot of people don't think about that. A lot of people don't think about how precious everybody is. I mean, think about that. I've brought this up in the past. But there, you could sit there and say, yeah, there's 7-plus billion people on this planet. Yeah, in the universe. Think about how rare that is in the grand scheme of the universe. You've got a little floating marble out in the middle of nowhere, and you know there's this perfectly designed... You know, ecosystem between aquatic creatures and air-breathing creatures, and you've got, you know, your occasional anomaly like the platypus and shit like that. But for the most part, everything follows a certain guideline, follows a certain code. You know, whether it's intellectual, in, you know, intention or not, there is still something that magically happened. It's, it was a perfect, you know, per- perfect circumstances times a billion. You know, and the analogy I use is it's like it, the existence of us is like throwing a dart at a dartboard on Jupiter and hitting a bullseye 300 times in a row. You know, that's, that's mm-hmm. the kind of odds. You know, and uh, unfortunately, some people sit there and go, yeah, that's exactly it. There's nothing. That's the rare earth theory. It's like, yeah, but maybe we were just the perfect conditions for the perfect experiment. You know, the fourth grader's experiment who was locked in a closet who says, you know what, then fuck you. I'll make my own heaven on earth because I'll make a new earth. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Who knows, man? I it's I just there's a part of me. I'm not gonna say I can't wait to find out because that's morbid and I shouldn't think that way. But there's a part of me that almost I don't want to say looks forward to it either, but is almost welcoming of it into some degree because I'm curious what happens. You know, I am curious. I wouldn't be doing this podcast if I wasn't. You know what you should do. What's that? You should record a podcast, um, just like within the next couple of months, mm-hmm. and set it aside so that if horrible happens, your untimely demise, you pass away. That that podcast gets released after your death, and it just comes out. Okay, I'm dead, and here's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> You know, maybe a conversation with you and Chris, or or you could have an actor play one of your past friends or something. Like yeah, that, really, or God really. or whatever, and just <laughs> have the whole thing and just set it aside and say, Chris, oh you know, God. Pass, you know, God forbid, if I do put this out 12 days after I'm dead. Yeah, yeah, skip a week and then just be like, hey, and oh my God, that would be the best joke. That would be the, that would be the best punchline to this entire podcast, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea. I'm going to write that down. It's sick and morbid, but I love it. So, yeah. That's I, why you love it. That's exactly why I love it, because I'm warped just like you are. 
Yeah, I'll have to uh, I'll have to remember to do that. Of course, in the meantime, I'll get you know I'll die in a car accident on the way home or something like that. So that would figure. So if that's the case, um, yeah, I, uh, I I just guess I won't. So. <laughs> Well, then we'll just get a voice actor and we'll do it too for you anyway. There you go. There you go. Just get a, you know, chimpanzee or something like that and just put him on there and be like, no, that's Tim. Trust me. Sounds just like him. <laughs> chimpanzee fucking helium. I know you do that. I don't work. That'll be Tim. <laughs> oh, boy. We'll have to get him stoned first. So yeah. He has a but. little, little bit of a, of a relaxation to him because you put a chimpanzee in an 8x10 room and they get a little bit messy, you know. So you get them stoned. And so do you, see? <laughs> exactly. That's why it would work. <laughs> there you go. But uh well cool man. Yeah, I uh I definitely you know it was it was nice to to catch up a bit here. Uh, we haven't talked in a while. And uh I enjoyed hearing those sides of you that we never talked about. How we never talked about your mom's funeral, we never talked about your fucking e- evil demonic nuns. I mean, we had nuns that like threw desks at kids and, you know, the typical hit them with a ruler, but we didn't have someone who condemned a kid at the age of 10 telling him, no matter what you do, you're going to hell. That's an evil fucking bitch right there, you know? And that's honestly, I hate to say it, but that's why some women became nuns is because (laughs) they were just miserable bitches, you know? And that sounds like what she was. They were, she was probably trying to get redemption for some evil shit she did as a kid. But. Well, and, and there were there are some sweet, sweet old nuns oh, of that, course that there threw are. themselves into it and did great, you know, work so hard with kids and do that. Oh God, but, yeah. But it's 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 like anything, you know. There's a mix of of different personalities and different kinds of people. And, well, but the know. problem is, is that she's an authority figure, and to put mm-hmm. something like she's an authority figure for the biggest authority on you know on earth, if you will, God. She's someone who speaks, you know, she's a she's a proctor for God, and she tells you, you're fucked. You're just fucked. Hang it up now. You know? Yeah. And that's evil. I mean, because there are good cops and there are bad cops, but they still got to follow the laws. When it's something that's kind of subjective, like religion, where you can sit there and say, well, that was her word, you know? I mean, and what's a 10-year-old going to do? Go talk to a priest or go talk to somebody like that? Why would you bother going to quote-unquote confession because... You're fucked. There's nothing you can do. No matter what you can do. You could become, you know, Mother Teresa Part 2. You know, Father Teresa. Whatever you want to call yourself. And (laughs) you could, you know, it doesn't matter. You're going to hell. And it's like, what the fuck? That's some evil shit right there. For breaking a rosary. Malicious or not, that's some evil shit. Because it's fucking plastic. It symbolizes something. It is not that thing. And so, yeah, that actually pisses me off. I'm, I'm pissed on your behalf. So be take some solace in that. I appreciate it. <laughs> no but you got to laugh. you got to laugh at it. Oh, too. of course you got to laugh at it. wear the white shoes. That's, that's the lesson. See, you know, we're skipping over the true lesson. The that's whole true. Thing. That's true. Wear the right damn shoes. What kind of shoes were they? No tennis shoes at school. They were tennis, tennis shoes? shoes? Wait, they were tennis shoes? Uh-huh. Oh, you're fucked. Yeah, I had to... Because I know I do I, I deserve to go to hell. Yeah, no, so, you're going to yeah, hell, dude. You had to wear dress shoes. What kind of tennis shoes were they? Oh, I, 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 they were white cheapy Kmarters. Oh boy. Well, you know what? You yeah. might be able to do. You might be able to get out of going to hell. Kind of like with um, back in the Middle Ages, you know, the poor would do those. Uh, what were they called? Uh, uh, 
where they would where they would sign the papers to kind of buy their way into heaven. Maybe the fact that you had really cheap shoes might get you a couple brownie points with Lucifer, and he might be like, "Yeah, cut the kid a break." You know, he had Keds; Maybe. they weren't Nikes. So, so I'm in the better part of a better neighborhood in hell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're in like the. Uh, you know, you're, you're suburbs. Yeah, you're the suburbs. You know, where where you get the occasional drive-by haunting, and uh, you know the 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 your your kids in hell. Because I'm assuming if you go to hell in this case, you know, if you're doomed to go to hell, then you know you're going to live there a lot longer than you are here. You might raise some demon kids, and you might raise some uh, you know have a have a a succubus for a wife or whatever. You know, and you've got yourself a nice little neighborhood. And, you know, you have a barbecue occasionally and you go out there and you, you roast a few people. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that if you get yourself up established, you might have a nice time. We're it's fucked, plan. It's a plan. <laughs> we are. Okay, I'm done <laughs> rambling. So, All right, I, uh, my friend. It's good to talk to you and I appreciate uh, your time. And I think you'll be able to edit maybe eight or nine useful minutes out of it. Yeah, yeah. I think we might, um, well, it'll just be like, my name's John Carr, and then that'll be the end. So there you go. You can bleep nah. out the last name too if you want. That's all right. No, I don't, if, I'm going to have your name on the title. Why would I bleep it out? Oh, okay. Unless you don't want me to put dork. your name on it. And then I'm I'll just say the dork. <laughs> future future inductee of the Dork Foundation. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay, man. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up. So. Again, it was good talking with you. I'm glad we were able to laugh at this kind of stuff. You know, the Dork Foundation. I hope it doesn't happen, but if it does, you know. So, but, um, <laughs> cool. I will talk to you later, man. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks. Hey, Bye. thank you. Bye. So that was my talk with John Carr. And, yeah, it's all over the place. And, again, that's kind of my shtick. I like to talk about whatever, life, death. But it was nice to be able to really hear a conversation about laughing at death and making it better in some way you know being able to make it comfortable because that's kind of what you have to do sometimes so i guess uh you know if you are facing something that's awful like death try to keep a sense of humor about it because you know it's going to happen to all of us but uh in the meantime have yourself a good day have yourself a good life